Good morning, church. Good morning, church. So uh, this is the, uh, we call it the Super Bowl Sunday for preachers. Because uh, not only do we have a full house, we've got a lot of people tuning in from uh, all over the fruited plains of the United States and around the world. So it's exciting today for us. And the irony, Mike, hasn't been lost on me. Yet every year we have Resurrection Sunday during pine pollen season in North Louisiana. Correct? See, people are laughing here because you know what I mean, right? I call it the come home coding that happens when you come back in, you see what's happened. So it just reminds me this weekend that we are not of this world, right? We long for a better home, a better country. We're temporary is what you're saying. We're temporary in a place without pine pollen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) It is great to see everyone this morning. So, so glad you could be with us. Uh, Just uh, uh, our, of course, our uh, folks in our other services, our folks in the live stream. uh, Just, it's just a blessing to be together on this day to celebrate the resurrection. Look. I praise the Lord that uh, at least across the world, at least there's one day, we celebrate resurrection all the time, but that there's such more of a focus on it, and somehow or another, I'm praying God will move this day among the nations that will cause people to be more conscious of the fact that Jesus came and died and came out of that ground for you and for me. And so I'm excited uh, to be here to share Easter with you. Now, by the way... uh, we, we take this good news all over the world, and there's a couple of us going to be going out of the country. Uh, uh, Robert Abels and uh, Ryan Lee and Aaron Stokes and myself will be traveling to Columbia. Uh, that's not Columbia, Louisiana. That's uh, fair to say. That's not really another country, although. It's not, <laughs> county. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll actually be going to uh, South America, uh, leaving Wednesday, coming back the following Tuesday. We have a great work there with Ricardo and some work with the Venezuela refugees. So there's a lot of good things happening around the world through you guys right here. You help make that kind of thing happen, and so we're excited about it. So that. I want to have a prayer for, for those guys as they travel. Father, uh, we're always blessed that because we live in the modern era, we have the opportunity to li- literally travel all around the world in a single day. And what a blessing that is. You've given us that great blessing. And, Father, I just pray for our crew that are going down. I pray, Father, first of all, that you would bless them with safe travel. I pray, Father, you'll continue to watch over the mission uh, and the work that's ahead for them. And I just pray, Father, that hearts will be prepared uh, for the gospel story. We love you, Father, and we thank you so much for men and women who are willing to go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to switch over. Yeah. Must be my dynamic personality that keeps messing my uh, jetpack up. Um, speaking of jetpacks, we've got the other half of the Hudnall duo. Where are you at, Owen? Oh, right over here. Come on up. Come on up. Owen Hudnall's going to read our scripture today. He bills himself as the better looking Hudnall brother. I don't know exactly <laughs> what that means. <laughs> but he is a pretty good looking kid. So, uh, you got a scripture for us today? Thank you. Acts 3, 13 through 15. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You hand him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate. Though he had decided to let him go, you disowned the holy and righteous one, and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Thank you, brother. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. 
Well, as, as luck would have it, uh, we are speaking on Resurrection Sunday from the wonderful book of 1 Corinthians 15, a chapter uh, in Corinthian study. And uh, I'm so glad we're here, Mike, because it's probably my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. Well, and I've been looking forward to this after dealing with some of the other chapters. Uh, that uh, one thing about this uh, Corinthian church, they've struggled all this long, uh, the whole time with unity and being united and uh, uh, really understanding God's love and really understanding their gifts and how to build the church. All those things have been talked about. But two things that kind of override everything you see real quickly is one, he tells the tells them they're going to have to love one another in their freedom and all their struggles. They got to love, and that's the great chapter that you you did a great job with on thirteen now. And then now he reminds them of the gospel that's of first importance. So you really come back to this: what's the greatest command, and then the great commission of getting the good news out to everybody. And that's really where they need to really anchor themselves to be the church God wants them to be. And so, because this chapter is so full of so many great things we're going to share today, also next week uh, we're going to share the other half. So you look at it like this first half of First Corinthians 15. It deals with an eternity idea that is set in Jesus and his resurrection and what that means to us, how that motivates us to live as he would have us live. Next week, we're going to look at what happens once the resurrection occurs. What's it going to look like? in a glorified body and what God does through the resurrection. So we're going to share this in two parts. We're very excited about it. This gives us confidence and motivation. And it starts in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11, which is literally what we believe. It's the core. It's the anchor. It's the thing we always stand on and go back to. It's the thing we never leave because this is what makes us different among all the world's religions Among all the worldly things that happen, this is our core. Let's read this text. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared. And then it, Paul gives all the different folks, the disciples, 500 believers, James, Jesus' brother. And last of all, he said, he appeared to me also as to one who was abnormally born. In other words, Paul was late to the party, but he made it to the party. For I am the least of the apostles. And do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. You know, this idea of belief uh, that we're going to talk about here, I guess the best way I'd like to say it in our culture, here's what happens. <clears throat> the text says that the, the story of Jesus and the Word of God produces faith or belief, that strong faith. Our culture says faith produces truth. But it's the other way around. 
You think about, uh, and I know you've run into this and, and I've run into it too. People say, well, yeah, you can believe that. And if that's good for you and that's what you believe, that becomes your truth. So basically, we live in a culture that decides whatever I decide I wanted to believe, and it's okay with me, and you have to be okay with that, and that somehow or another produces truth for your life. The Bible says just the opposite of that. The Bible says that the truth of God's Word is what produces faith and belief that we have. Now, not all belief is faith, and not all belief is trust. I think we have a lot of unconverted believers in religion today, but, but faith does not come about uh, without the Word of God uh, going in and changing uh, the heart of a man. Because without absolute truth, Mike is right. You see what you see now in our culture, right? We have 350 million different aspects of truth. That sounds like it would create chaos. And it does. And it does. And it has. That's why I said the rank here of the gospel the story of Jesus, but also the person of Jesus, is the most important. Everything flows from that. Jay says all the time on our podcast, everything in the history of the Bible from Genesis to Malachi is we're looking for him to come. We get to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, he's here. Everything after that, from Acts to Revelation to right up until this day, we're looking for him to come back. Literally, that's how important Jesus is. It's ranked first. But it also, then, you see in this text, it has some requirements of us, a response. He said we must believe that this is true. And Mike just stated, that's truth, right? We believe the truth because it is the truth. He said you're going to receive it, you're going to stand on it, you're going to hold firmly to it, and you're going to have to be reminded of how important it is. One of the greatest failures, in my opinion of the American church is that when you take your eyes off of Jesus and the gospel, you get into a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter to impact our culture, which is why we've had so little impact on culture. We talk about revival. Revival means that we get back to preaching Jesus, to talking about what he's done in our lives, and to hold firmly to the word that's been preached to us. You know, one of the confusions that happens out within churches is that some churches make everything of first importance. So everything gets equal equal weight. Remember when Jesus said about the law that uh, uh, you've left the weightier matters of things undone, the heavier things? All truth is important, but not all truth weighs the same. So what's first importance means there are other things that are not first. And we need to major in the first and keep that uh, in our eye view and make sure that we're always centered on that so that we don't get off uh, into the weeds and a thousand little religious divisions of things that happen. We're about Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. That is first importance, and nothing can take the place of that being first. So the gospel's rank is first. Its requirements or response is what I said, and also their results that are there for us. He said we receive salvation. We receive grace. In other words, it's not you or I. It's what God does in us. And we receive the ability to witness the resurrection. Now, the original crew, they actually saw the resurrected Lord. We do it by faith, but we're still witnessing that every single day of our lives. That's who we are in Christ. And so not only is it what we believe, but this leads us to why we belong. 
because we belong to something special. Let's look on in our text at verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has not been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Obviously, there were people in the Corinthian church that were saying this. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him, in fact, if the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Second time he said that. You are still in your sins. You see how important the resurrection is? Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. So in this idea of belief, we mentioned it earlier about otherwise you've believed in vain or it's futile. That's the word that stands for empty. So you, empty is an important word because you've got either one of two things. You either got an empty faith or you got an empty grave. Which one are you going to choose? I'm going for the empty grave. What about you? That's where our hope is. It's, it's a full faith and trust in the empty grave. Now look. If Jesus didn't uh, come out of the ground, then the cross means nothing. We're still in our sins. Nothing's been satisfied. There's been a lot of good men die for purposes, but they didn't satisfy God's, God's punishment for my sin. And they couldn't prove it by coming out of the ground. Jesus Christ came out of the ground that you and I might have this hope. And that puts us in a community of people who belong to God. And belonging is a very important thing. And the beautiful thing is if he was raised, Paul says, then we can be raised. And that's the most beautiful thing of all. Look back at verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Here we come. Here's our opportunity. You want to get out of that ground? This is it. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong, there's that word, belong to him. And then the end will come. So in the resurrection, it's not just a it's not a spirit, it's not a ghost. Uh, Jesus' body came out of the ground. And when we're resurrected, our bodies are coming out of the ground too. And I tell you, I'm excited about that because I'm str- I struggle with my body. I don't know about you. I'm hoping it looks better, acts better, and feels better than it does right now. Any of you have that kind of experience? I mean, I don't know how old you are. Uh, it's sitting out there. Uh, I turned 65 back last year, Al. And so what is that? Woo, that's, you're right behind you're me. old. I am old. And, uh, you know, I wake up with that uh, uh, morning after feeling and I didn't do anything the night before. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else like that? You know, you you, uh, you feel like you kind of walk like you're 90 years old till you kind of get going, you know. Well, actually, there's some 90 years old in here that walk better than I do when I get up. But, uh, but I'm saying the body is going to be brand new, but it's going to be this body. 
It's not a ghost. It's not a spirit. Uh, God died for the whole of the person, body, soul, and spirit. And this body is coming out of the ground. And that's good news. That's good news. I love it. I love it. You see, when we believe and we hold on to that belief, we belong to the community of the eternal. You realize that's what you are in Christ? We are part of the community of the eternal. Started in Acts 2, we read about it. Later in Ephesians 1, Paul describes it. You see, we now know the unknown. We know that. Ephesians 3 says that the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. Throughout all of human history, continue to this day, all humanity searches for more. Let's go outer space. Let's look in microscopes. We need to know more, no more, no more. And that's all great. But what we know surpasses all knowledge, the love of Christ. We have, we now see the unseen, right? And then what Paul tells us is that Corinthians 4, we can see that. Those that other people can't see, we see through faith. Because we know who Christ is. We now measure the immeasurable. Ephesians 3 says we're filled to the measure of the fullness of God. That ought to make you feel great. We receive the unimaginable because God is greater than our imagination. We live in the community of the eternal. That's why the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 12, we are a great cloud of witnesses we run our race with perseverance. So our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. How does that make you feel to be a part of the community of the eternal? It's exciting, right? You see, the world says you don't belong. Got a lot of autocrats running around. Got a lot of people, elites. You don't belong. They love to quote the great theologian Judge Snells from Caddyshack. <laughs> Who said, let's face it, some people just don't belong. But in the community of the eternal, Paul said, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That's why he's there today. Because he took us with him. We're just waiting for the final contract. We're just waiting for the final I's and T's to be dotted and crossed. We're just waiting until he comes back. We are the community of the eternal. This is why the longings that we have are never, never bring satisfaction or joy consistently in our lives. The wise men said that God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. So, like Abraham of old, when he talks about him in Hebrews, longing for that country. Remember that old song, Beulah Land, I'm kind of homesick for our country? which I've never been before. That, whether the longing of the flesh, the sinful side, doesn't satisfy, but not only that, the longing of even good things that we have, while they're, while they're great and enjoyable here, or, you know, you see a picture of a faraway land you've never been to, and you, you, you say, man, I would love, I long to go visit that country. I long to see those mountains. I long to, to, to see how great that is at that particular place. And you go and you enjoy, but it still doesn't bring that satisfaction to the heart. Maybe, whether it's success or whether it's uh, fame or whatever it happens to be, they, you, that might be very, very good things in your life, and, you, and God blesses you, but it still doesn't satisfy that longing. 
because you belong to a community that we call around here the forever family. And you never satisfy that longing till we're in the forever with our family. That's when that full satisfaction of joy that we'll have because we belong to the family of God, that great cloud of witnesses, all those folks that have gone before us. We belong. And in that belonging, we'll always long until the resurrection for that greater realization of what it means to be with Jesus. So we believe who Jesus is, who he was, who he forever will be. We belong to the community of the eternal. So how does that make us behave? I love the way that Paul finishes this section. Look at verse 30. As for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? Paul says, why are we doing this? I mean, he, in two different times, and 2 Corinthians talks about all the things he had been through for the sake of the gospel. Why would a man do that? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die, he quotes Isaiah 22. Do not be misled, Paul said. Bad company corrupts good character. Another quote from Psalm 8. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. So he looks at this text and he says, why would you want to be with the short-termers? The grave gang, right? The ones who are only living this life for the temporary pleasure of it, and then it's all over. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to associate with that? And I love the phrase he uses about coming to your senses. That leads you out of ignorance. It leads you away from destructive lifestyle. It leads you away from the shame that's associated with this life. You know, Mike, every time I read this text, it reminds me of the prodigal son in Luke 15, right? You remember he's down there, he's in that foreign country, he's, man, he's, we would say he's sowing his wild oats and he's away from his family and man, he finally winds up that he's run out of money, he's run out of friends, and he's run out of food. And so he finds himself in a pig pen of his own making. And he looks around and he sees the pigs and he thinks about home and he thinks about his father and he thinks about his brother and he thinks about everything that he had before this moment. And the Bible says he came to his senses. He then realized, what are you doing? Why are you here? And then he got up and he left the pig pen. Kyle Outerman a great writer, he calls that an aha moment, an awareness, a humility of decision, and then action. I'm going to do something. The reason I love that story so much, and I love Kyle's book on the aha moment, is because I was that guy. I was in a pig pen of my own making. I realized in this shameful moment that there was here. There was home. There was my family. There was my forever family right here at White's Ferry Road. And so I had, to ha- I had a decision I had to make. As I sat there in that pig pen, am I going to stay here in New Orleans and die? Or am I going to get up, humble myself before the Lord, come home and say, I need forgiveness and I need grace. 
praise God, all these years later, I chose the route of the prodigal son. Amen. And when I got there and I walked up in that driveway and I had my speech already, just like that kid did in Luke 15, mom and dad came out to meet me, just like the father in Luke 15. And you know what dad said? He didn't say, here's your list of wrong, son. He said, welcome home. Welcome home. We got duck calls to build, is the way he put it. And that night we killed the fattened catfish and had a celebration <laughs> because the lost son had come to his senses and come home. Mm. And really, <clears throat> hadn't we all been the prodigal? I guess the temptation now is to think that when we've committed a sin, and particularly a sin over and over, that somehow or another uh, God can't love us enough to cover our shame you know shame is such a link in a chain that holds us down so bad the other one that coupled with that is this thing of guilt you remember when the disciples started uh, following jesus he called them and the fishermen it says something kind of interesting there he said that they dropped their nets and they followed him i think some of us have been trying to follow jesus but we hadn't dropped their nets and we drag them behind us and they get caught on everything around that we go by. And they're still weighing us down with guilt. They're weighing us down with shame. They're weighing us down uh, with our own sinful activity. And we can't understand how powerful it is to come home and have all that. We need a drop net moment in our life where we're not burdened anymore we're not dragging things behind us anymore that we're totally forgiven and i i know as it is as it was with you and i know it was with me it was just hard for me to believe that somehow or another uh i that god would just totally forgive me and i would have that much grace and forgiveness and yet he, yet he did and not only did does and continually does because I, his mercies are new every morning, and that's how often I need them, every day. I was thinking about this forever family thing out this uh, last December, uh, right after Christmas, my mom passed away. And someone asked me, said, uh, Mike, you did her service? How could you do that? I said, how could I not do it? This woman that taught me to pray when I was little, this one that raised me and, and took me to church. Are you kidding? Now, yeah, is it hard when you lose somebody? Sure it is. But you know what? No, no one's really lost when you know where they are. So we're still part of a family, forever family. We belong to a community together. And as difficult as that is in this old world... It's a reminder that this world, is, remember the old song? This world is not my, not my home. And I need to quit living like it is. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And uh, I feel like I'm passing through a little faster than I was a few years ago, Al, but I'm passing You're through. You're closer to the end. You go, you go from passing through to passing away real fast if you're not careful, right? But aren't you grateful that we have hope? That the community of people who've gone on before us are just witnesses 
waiting to have the great celebration that we'll be a part of. Because we're in, right here in this room, you are a room full of miracles that God has brought because of the gospel into this thing we call our forever family. And in that great news, that that's what we are, and that's who we are. And that's why we consistently proclaim. This is always a great time to look at our own lives and our hearts at the end of a message like this, at a day like this. We should always be willing to reflect and look at our lives. We talk a lot on our podcast about social media because it has such an impact on our culture. And one of the things that Jace always says I love, he said, are you using social media or is it using you? It's a great question, right? Are you being an influencer for the community of the eternal? Or is the community of the non-eternal influencing you? Because it's going to work one way or the other. There's no middle ground. We want to be people of influence, sharing Jesus. But it starts with us. It starts with our personal walk and our personal decision. This morning, if you've never believed with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength in who Jesus is and the resurrection and what he did for you and what he is doing, what he will do going forward, today is your day. The opportunity, as Mike said, to drop the net. You've been dragging that sin along. Mike reminded me of Isaiah when he said, it's like pulling a cart along with ropes, just hauling that sin with you everywhere you go. It's time to cut the cord. Let the net go and become a fisher of men and women. That's the call today, to become that believer, to have your life changed, to go from the temporary to the eternal. And you become then a part of the community of the forever family, the eternal. If maybe you just had a burden in your life and in your heart, and we're a family, so we're open to that here too. White Spirit Road has always had that heart that says, we're with you. We surround you. We're going to be praying for you. We love you, and we really do. Today is that day. If you've never surrendered or something you want to share with this church, why don't you do that while we stand and while we sing?